American Giant makes the durable, comfortable spring closet staples you need for work, the gym, and even happy hour. Made in America. Designed to last a lifetime. Get 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with code STAPLE20. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome in to the TFA Dino Show. Live edition, in fact, not even just your regular podcast version. We're live, uh, in fact, for all of you. I've got myself, Robbie Jeffries, with Tom Corson, and, and we're really excited because we've got another guest. We've been doing guests building up to the rookie draft, and we've got some now that the rookie uh, draft is over, the NFL rookie draft, and as all of your dynasty rookie drafts are going to be starting, uh, he is the senior writer at CBS Sports. He is a regular contributor for uh, the fantasy to fantasy football today. He's a, he's a grill master. Uh, he's an emperor of IPAs, and he's the man of a thousand size, as I'm finding out more and more uh, listening to his podcast with the crew over there at CBS. So uh, you guys, Heath Cummings joining us today. Heath, welcome, welcome. How are you? That was a very kind and generous introduction. I, I appreciate the man of a thousand size. I don't even... Here's the thing, like on the podcast, that's become a thing that everybody likes and says, ooh, that's fun. And we're going to mark that one and save it. And they play these little clips of me sighing seven times that sound oddly erotic. But my <laughs> wife hates it when I sigh because almost every time I sigh, it's because I'm a little bit exasperated. Sure. And so I make that sound and she's just ready to punch me in the face because obviously I'm reacting to something she did. So it's really, I'm getting opposite um training in terms of the whole pavlov thing like in some areas i need to do it more and in some areas i should probably never sigh again right right yeah they they love when you're doing it uh, they're making it a thing but I, yeah i think it's a uh I, I we've learned to know that there's a couple of uh tells right there's the the exasperated heath sigh there's the hmm you, you know you're pondering something so yeah. uh, you have to decipher them a little bit uh tom how are you my man I'm good. I'm excited to go live. Normally I can, I can uh, speak the English language better when we're live <laughs> as opposed to stumbling over my words uh, when I know I can screw up. So uh, yeah, excited to go live, man. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got a lot of stuff to cover. I'm really excited to, to have Heath jump on with us, but uh, before we get into the, the fantasy and dynasty focus uh, and the focus for today is uh, 2022 rookie projections, right? I think a lot of people in this space kind of look at projections every now and then, but they don't really incorporate them into how they can uh, maybe view a range for players, right? Like here's where I view this player is, does that make sense for what his range is um, in terms of production? And so 
I'm excited to hear Heath's process um, as someone who does projections on, on a very baseline level. Um, but before we get into that, we already have the first comment here. We're looking for some IPA talk. Cody Kutzer is, is one of the fans as well. we got to get into it because, Heath, you're known in the Dynasty community as, hey, I'm always checking out, trying to find new IPAs, and, and you've tried a whole bunch. I, I've seen the Instagram. It's a little dusty. We might have to upload it. <laughs> post it in a minute, but there's been some, uh, obviously, the grilling on there, but What's, what's kind of a, a go-to or your favorite IPA? Yeah, I, I resisted Instagram for, for several years. I still don't have a TikTok. Um, and then I finally gave in. I said, if I'm going to do Instagram, it's just going to be beer and barbecue. And everybody's like, okay, that's fine. I did it for about six months. Now I've struggled to keep up <laughs> with it again. But um, I'm, I'm going to give a three-part answer, and one of them is not actually even an IPA. Um, first, I would say, and this is what I've actually got in front of me right now, as far as the mass-produced IPAs, New Belgium is doing a fantastic job. Their Juicy Haze IPA is very good. The variants they put out of that, almost all very drinkable and good. And so of the ones that everybody can find in their local grocery store, that's probably my favorite. Um, right now, my favorite IPA is Florida Man from Cigar City. They're in Tampa. And you might see at your local grocery store, High Lie or high low which is their session now um they're, they're i don't think they're all the way across the country but they're in most of the southeast at least and then like i'll give a short shout out to um my favorite beer which isn't even made anymore which was bully porter from boulevard um they were the brewery that turned me on to craft beer when my son was Eight months old, nine months old, we found out he had a rare disease, uh, mastocytosis. We didn't have any idea what it was. Most people still don't. Um, but we started doing a golf tournament for him every year. And back then, I drank Miller High Life. Like, I went and bought a 30-pack, and I'd drink a 30-pack of cans, and then I, when that, that was gone, I'd go buy another 30-pack. Yeah. Um, Boulevard was so helpful during that process. They were a local company in Kansas City um, of putting that golf tournament on and and donating stuff and donating beer for the event. And so I started drinking Boulevard and then I became a beer snob. And so I don't drink high life anymore. <laughs> I love that as a, as a Lawrence guy here and lived in Kansas city for a year. That's what I got in front of me. I don't know if you've heard of 80 acres, not as yep. popular anymore, but that's uh, my go-to for Boulevard. You're in Lawrence, Kansas. Oh, the one and only. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you see the Jayhawk over my shoulder too. Yeah. Oh, um, Absolutely. Yeah, no, um, the oatmeal stout from Free State was okay. one of my favorites when I lived there. Yeah, we, we would, uh, that was kind of a little treat we would get was the oatmeal stout from Free State. Yeah, I, I don't know um, how long LBC's been around. I moved here in 17, but okay. Lawrence Beer Company is kind of the, the big one right now, and they have an electric, a great IPA. Um, that, that, that's my answer it yeah. is the electric here, a local one. And, and I know you can get the national ones and, and Sierra Nevada that has a really good one to shoots has an IPA pack. That's fantastic. So right. there's a lot of good, more national, uh, national brands, but I'll stick with local Lawrence electric here. Oh, for sure. Like there's a difference I've noticed. And with a couple of different breweries that we really liked when they first started, and like you're cheering for these guys to make it and either get bought out or build a national distribution channel. But the quality of the beer changes once that happens. Like it's a different kind of thing. We, we go from putting 
of fruit in the beer too. We're going to put the essence of the fruit in the beer because we're making yep. so much of it now. Yep. Tom, what about you? More a vino guy though, right? Yeah, vino. I like summer beers, but uh, grapefruit IPA soap. Soap by Dr. Squatch. Soap. Okay. Soap. It's awesome. Dr. Where's that Squatch. found? Just just in the Northeast or I haven't heard no, of that. No, everywhere. On okay. on the internet. Have you heard of the internet? <laughs> Amazons. It can, I don't even yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, no. So check out Dr. Squatch. It's like all natural like soaps and stuff like that. And they have so like beer a soap. ton of yeah, they have a uh, like a bourbon one. They have a so did you get a, a buzz? Cold... Huh? <laughs> did you get a buzz? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Sometimes I like to take a bite out of the soap. Uh, <laughs> oh, look, a bar of soap. <laughs> dirty, dirty mouth over here. So I'm gonna I'm gonna try and keep my mouth clean tonight. And I guess if I start cursing, I'll I'll go have a bite of the grapefruit IPA soap. Um, <laughs> no, I, I usually I, I like shandies. Um, I don't really like hoppy stuff that much. Uh, I drink I drink more red wines than than beer because uh, I'm I'm old. I feel like uh, and I don't really I don't really drink uh, too much. So yeah, that's good. No, yeah, yeah. And and so I, I kind of like hearing that. You know, we, we like to kick the show off with a you know a non fancy question, you just kind of keep it light and, and get to learn about our guests a little bit more. So love you indulging and, and telling me a couple new IPAs to check out. But let's get in kind of to the meat of the show because I know there's just a ton of questions just in general with projections and, and how people go about projecting. It seems like it's just this one caveat, one size fits all. And I don't think that's true. I think there's a lot of different ways you can start, whether it's with the team and figuring out how they operate or if you want to start with the targets or the care. You know what I mean? There's a bunch of different ways to go about it. So maybe just in a, a thousand foot view, Heath, how do you start the process and what does that look like for you? Yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of a three-legged approach. Like, I will start out by building each team's projected volume, play volume, pass volume, run volume, based on what the staff has done in the past. And if it's a staff that we don't have any history on, then I'll just use league median from the prior year. I will generally regress what outliers have done towards the league median as well. I don't want to project... I, just because a team ran 1,200 plays last year, it's, it's very unlikely they're going to do that again. So I'll bring that back a little bit more closer to normal. Um, and then I will kind of build off the other side of it, which is the player efficiency. In terms of, I, I generally look at a three-year window unless I have a reason to think last year or the two years before were more informative and like that might be true with someone like mike evans or chris godwin because three years ago they had Jameis winston the last two years they've had tom brady maybe use their efficiency more from the last two years and then what will happen is you you pair those two together and then you see like where does this not make any sense and a, a prime example of that last year was i didn't really see how Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and Antonio Brown and Rob Gronkowski could all be as good as their past efficiency and the team's past like volume suggested. And the reason was because I was too low on Tom Brady. Um, I did. I didn't project him to be the number two quarterback in fantasy. So those guys were <laughs> yeah. all as good as they as they might have been. But like you find those conflicts, and that's where it, that's one of the areas because I like I. I do all these things to start the process, but I 100% will go to the running back page or the wide receiver page and look at how 
what I've done so far frames a certain player. And if that doesn't make any sense to me, then the next thing I'm going to go is do is investigate why he's so much different than where I think he should be and maybe even tweak it. Yeah, because I think that's the next part of my question is, is I think in a recent podcast you were talking about Deshaun Watson and Tom Brady, how one came over the other in the rankings. But uh, when you looked at it, maybe you saw more safety or, or more variance with one player or the other. So how do you kind of take the projections and what you see and then you put it into your rankings and you alter it a little bit based on on what? Well, that's why, like, for the most part, it's based on – I try not to project injuries for most players. I'm going to project 17 games. Now I made an exception to that rule last year with Will Fuller. It worked out so well (laughs) that um, I'm going to make an exception this year with Raheem Mostert. And I'm just going to keep picking a couple of guys each year that, you know what? I'm not going to project him for 17 games. And I know like there's other people who are completely opposite on this and, and are projecting 15 and a half games or 16 games for players. I just don't, think that I'm good enough at projecting how many games somebody's going to miss with injury to be more accurate by doing that. So I will project everyone for 17 and then I'll pull back on the guys that I think might have a little bit more injury risk, but I'm really skeptical of injury risk period. So it's gotta be guys like Fuller, like Mostert, like Dalvin cook who just never play a full season for me to pull back on that. Yeah, and I think when when you do everybody for 17 games, the one thing you can point back at is a, a point per game yep. or, or, you know, um, average. Uh, so if everybody's on that playing field, you can kind of point to that and say, hey, listen, they might miss some time, but I'm projecting projecting them to get about 16 and a half points a week. So, Yeah, one thing I did in my – and so I've only projected for, for two years now. But one thing I noticed, especially going to a 17th game – I thought for running backs and I kind of looked at, you know, how many running backs play all 16 games. And then I looked back to this year. And if we look kind of at the top 25 running backs, you know, we're, we're seeing that two or three or four are really only hitting that 17 games. And so I'm curious, like, I'm not going to be the one that's picking, okay, this one's going 13, this one's going 15. But when we're comparing the running backs to the wide receivers, I want to make sure I'm not bumping up those running backs past to a point where, Theoretically, most of them aren't going to play 17 games. I don't want to really project them for 17, but that's kind of how I've seen it so far. Well, and I think that's why projections and rankings should be tethered to each other, but not be exactly the same thing. Yeah. Like it might be that the top seven scores I project to be running backs, but I feel more confident that Cooper Cup or Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase is going to be there week 16 in these running backs. And so I'm going to bump them up a little bit. I think what's interesting is like the, the thing that changes it is different as you go through the draft. The first couple of rounds, I'm moving the wide receivers up because I, I'm not as worried about what's neg- negatively going to happen to them. But you get past round six, round seven, and I almost don't care what the median projection is. I just want to draft the guy that has the most upside and I don't care about floor anymore. So you kind of have to negotiate it in both directions. It also depends on the, you know, the early makeup of your team too. So if you went heavy risk early on, then you might want a little bit of a safety getting that, you know, all right, I'm going to plug in Jarvis Landry or something like that, that wide receiver three, where I know I'm going to get 12 to 15 points. I never do that, but some people like to. 
how do you how do you factor in or do you factor in? We talked about it a little bit pre-show, but Vegas totals. You know, they're starting to come out for these rookies, and really, that it, I think that's the toughest part for me is rookies. We we've never seen them at the NFL level. We've never seen them play with all these brand new players. We we've seen their college tape, but do they fit into the offense the same way? Are they going to be used the same way? Um, that's the toughest part. Do, 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 does Vegas help you out at all, or do you kind of ignore that? I lean on Vegas quite a bit in season because I will use over-unders and implied point totals for total team touchdown projections and then spread touchdowns out amongst the team based on that. Um, In terms of preseason, that's not something – like I'll I'll notice it and I'll take note of the guys I'm higher on or lower than and and maybe see if there's a – if I feel like I have a justifiable reason. I'm okay with being against the market if I know why. I don't want to be with just because my number happened to be different. Um, but other than that, I don't use it a lot in the preseason. I think the one interesting thing to do is track them um, yep. to see, you know, if they're going up, if they're going down, if they're staying the same. Last year we had like Kyle Pitts started at 1,090 yards and dropped down to like 890 or something after the opening. And then everyone smashed that. Jamar Chase was another one who was over 1,000 yards and came right back down because everybody was, you know, taking the the under there, uh, which they lost if they were taking the under for pretty much every single good rookie wide receiver last year. So uh, we can't have that every year, but uh, that's another thing. So just – I like to, you know, check all of them out early, write them down so I can kind of remember where they're at and then uh, track that movement to see where they're at uh, closer to the beginning of the season. Yeah, I I like that thought, Tom, because uh, I think we see that a lot where the pendulum starts to swing. And so one month, two months, three months, as we get closer to the season, you can remember where it was there and and just kind of take all the news in and and see how much it's shifted to – Hey, this is where we originally thought, and we've been swayed because he, he's not catching the balls in, in preseason, right? That was a big question with Jamar Chase, the hands, right? Um, I think that pendulum can get swayed for sometimes news that isn't really sticky. But let's news uh, it's not news. Yeah, news that's not news, exactly. There's so much of that. And we're we're getting ready for that season, right? We're already starting to see the highlights. Yeah. Kenneth Walker made a catch, and everyone's talking about how he can catch. So I'm I'm ready for the uh, highlight season to start. Here comes the Jalen Rager one-handed catch that's not going to matter. I don't know. <laughs> Tom's an Eagles fan, so he, he's uh, but he's he's back on the Howie train, and I think that maybe that's where we pivot to Tom right away. So this is going to be a rookies conversation, but because this trade I think is so interesting in terms of projecting the wide receivers or the pass catchers in the Eagles offense, I wanted to hit this one off the top because it is draft related with the trade. But when we look talk about AJ Brown coming to the Eagles how he fits in with Devonta Smith, with Dallas Goddard, with the uh, pass catchers out of the backfield. How do you work all that out? Because that's just a lot. And I've, I've listened to a couple podcasts. It's, it's like you should you should put Jalen Hurts as QB1, you know, because of all the pass catching, right? He has to be because of all of this weaponry he has around him. How do you go about managing all of those expectations? Well, I, I, I did say that he has – QB one upside. I, I think I've got him at QB four now, so I've not I've not quite projected him that high, but I do think he has that kind of upside just because of what he does with his legs and the leap we've seen from these young quarterbacks when they've been given a stud receiver in the past. We saw it with Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. We saw it with Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins. I don't think it'll be that type of leap in pass efficiency, but I do expect an improvement from Hertz, and he runs enough that I do think he has QB one upside. Um, 
the pass catchers are tough because one of the things we run into that I think is a little more mm-hmm. sticky than maybe others is that the Eagles coaching staff's been pretty heavy on a, a high percentage of their targets going to tight ends and a high percentage of their targets going to running backs. And that won't work if A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith are both going to be really good for fantasy. Now, Brown's been efficient enough in Tennessee that he can do it with not like not quite wide receiver one volume. But I, I knocked him down basically almost two tiers. He was wide receiver five in my projections before the trade. He's wide receiver 14 right now. I still think he has just as much up, much upside. I think the problem is if he hits that upside, it's by crushing either Devontae Smith or Dallas Goddard. And I don't know which so, one of those guys is going to get crushed. Yeah, so the the one thing about the tight end targets uh, and them being heavy tight end is they ran a ton of 12 personnel because that's what they had to do because they didn't have wide receivers. Um, we don't have Zach Ertz anymore. Before we had Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard, and then we had nothing at wide receiver for – a couple years there because of injuries. And then we got Devonta Smith last year and that was pretty much it. So uh, I think they are going to try and shift more to throwing the ball on the outside. Um, I still have questions about Jalen Hurts arm strength. The the two quarterbacks that you mentioned in Josh Allen and, and Kyler both have uh, cannons um, where Hurts doesn't necessarily have that. You're going to have to manufacture some, uh, some throws there to, just get the ball into AJ's hand a little bit uh, differently than, you know, Diggs or, <laughs> or Hopkins there, but I still think it's going to be really efficient. But again, you, you kind of hit the nail in the head with Jalen hurts uh, projection and then not having a, an idea about the other, uh, you know, the skill position guys there. I think AJ Brown is obviously the safest Devonta Smith. I have no idea where to throw him in there. Um, Dallas Goddard, I think he still has, I think he's safer than Devonta Smith, to tell you the truth, because I, I think they're still going to use him. And then at running back, I, I mean, we, who knows? I, yeah. I mean, I, are we projecting is, is everyone, this is the most, it, it's funny because you have, everyone is like, yeah, you have the Miles Sanders truthers and it's, they're like ostriches. Their heads are still in the sand and this is when they should all be coming out and popping up. Right contract year they didn't go out and do anything crazy at the running back position and we're not hearing anything about him so we might actually get a decent value uh for him in in redraft the only thing and and you would know better than i would but i get the impression that this coaching staff just isn't that in love with miles sanders i like i i wonder if gainwell gets just a little bit more run than he did last year not he won't be a feature back but enough to just kind of kill sanders well none of the coaching staffs have been in love with miles sanders going (laughs) back to doug peterson so um you see miles sanders touch the ball and all of a sudden he's got you know eight carries in the first half for you know 74 yards and it's like bam two more touches yeah oh what happened there he apparently he was gassed and part of the problem is that a lot of times it's two carries for 79 yards Right. And three carries for negative five yards, right? Right. Yeah. Right. Yep. And that's a that's a big thing with Miles Sanders. And they want some of those like they you had Boston Scott last year. So does Kenneth Gainwell slide more into that role? Um, now that he's got a year under his belt, I, I think he does. Um, 
I think they utilize him more, and I think they're still probably going to run the ball enough where they can both be uh, – they can both have flex upside even if Kenneth Gainwell – I think Kenneth Gainwell, there's going to be certain – I think he has flex upside there because I think you're going to be able to shift him into the slot as well. I think that's what they want to do. And then Boston Scott gets the touchdowns. Yes, he does. (laughs) Of course. Or, you know, we're going to sign Jordan Howard again and and just. They've got somebody. I I can't put my finger on it. Maybe UDFA is a name. They did. And um, I'm blanking on it as well. So that's. That's I I don't know who it is, but I know that last year it was Carrion Johnson. True. True. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Well, Ruth then we had Payne. Jordan, Jordan Howard Payne. came out of nowhere, and he was actually yeah. running. Well, also. in fairness, like Jordan Howard didn't come out of nowhere. He came out of like back to back twelve hundred yard seasons. <laughs> it's just, it just one of those like they they needed they need a banger yeah. essentially in that he offense, that. and he, he was that. that. But I think that's the problem for Sanders is if you're not the right. banger. And you're not the pass catching back, then what are you? Right. Yep. Let's, you're let's, just the volume guy. Right. Let's put a ball on this. Uh, Heath, wide receiver. I think you, you said you'd lower AJ Brown, still kind of wide receiver one for you. Devonta a 14 Smith. 14 overall, so a borderline number one. Yeah. Borderline number one. Devonta Smith, borderline number two. Or no, borderline number three. Number three. And then Goddard, probably top six, seven tight end. Yeah, I didn't drop Goddard much, and we've had some debate about that. I think the big debate right now is Goddard versus Dalton Schultz. Um, yeah. And I'll probably stick with Goddard, but I don't have a strong lean either way. I'll take the guy that goes latest. Yep. yep. Where, where do you have uh, Goddard as opposed to Hawkinson? I do have Hawkinson ahead of Goddard. I, I've got a little bit less confidence that um, – Jamison Williams and Amon Ross St. Brown are going to negatively impact Hawkinson this year, as opposed to AJ Brown and Devonte Smith. Sure. Let's hit on, on some of these rookies. Your top ranked talking about rankings here. Your top ranked rookie was Garrett Wilson. Um, and, and I think that's, that's probably going to have to take into effect of a, a Zach Wilson leap. Right. And that's something I think a lot of us are hoping for um, when he gets that weapon, he gets Brees Hall, we have Elijah Moore healthy. We have Corey Davis coming back, right? How do you think Garrett Wilson falls in the target pecking order, and where do you have him roughly for for the, those projections? I, I I have London as the uh, lead target getter on this offense. I just think like I and I've been a Corey Davis guy in the past, and I thought Elijah Moore was awesome for that fantastic month in 2021. Mm-hmm. But I Garrett Wilson was my favorite wide receiver in this class coming into the draft. And I think he's better than both Elijah Moore and Corey Davis for sure. And so I I expect him to eventually lead the team in targets. I I don't know. It's interesting with this class, like how much of a leap does Zach Wilson have to take to be the best quarterback for one of these rookie wide receivers? Um, I mean, other than Jameis, there's not Tannehill. We'll see what he is this year. He had a nice three-year run, but kind of looked like he turned back into a pumpkin last year. Um, so I, I think for any of these wide receivers to be top 25 guys, something kind of strange is going to happen in year one. I don't have any of them projected in my top 30. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And and listening back, I think that was a little bit lower than some of your, your counterparts, but not too much lower. It was 
they all either fell into situations that are murky or the quarterback has questions. And, and so we hit that. And then right next to him was, was Traylon Burks. Um, what are you thinking with a, a target share there? Because I feel like I did the same thing with AJ Brown when he landed there and Corey Davis was there. We know they're a run first team. And I was like, man, I need to pivot off of him. And, and I'm trying to train myself to not do that right. when it comes to landing spot. But then everyone says, Hey, he's not AJ Brown. And, and I get a lot of those comments as well. So how do you, how do you balance that? I don't think he's AJ Brown, but I, I do think he has a chance to like, I think there's four guys really that have a chance to be the wide receiver one this year. And he's definitely, in that group and probably second i've got him at 117 targets over 17 games which is just a little bit behind where i had wilson or, or maybe right at i don't have him quite as efficient as i did wilson um it's it probably comes down to is robert woods all yep. the way back to being robert woods or not yep. because if he's and he's probably not at this age and coming off this injury, but if he's somehow peak Robert Woods, I think Burks has a hard time topping 100 targets in this offense. Oh, for sure. And I think that's maybe the one positive we can say for Ryan Tannehill is he does get you know a healthy Derrick Henry back. I, I would assume that some of those struggles, especially with his touchdown percentage, that took a massive drop. He was right around, I think the previous three seasons, like you mentioned, he was right around that six and a half percentage TD rate he kind of turns into the pumpkin. I'm going to guess some of that's attributed to Derrick Henry being out. So we see him back. I think that's going to be the, the thing maybe for um, Burks is that we know you have to be efficient in this offense and you have to score touchdowns. And that's how we saw A.J. Brown be successful because A.J. Brown never got more than, what, 102 targets, I think, was his top. And it was just this last year, and he played 13 games or something like that. So he's not going to be a huge target volume. It has to be efficient and it has to be a touchdown guy to maybe be – in that top 30 that, right. you, that you're not putting them at because a lot of things have to go right. Yeah. And we're, we're talking about Vegas a little bit earlier on and his over under is eight sixty nine and a half there. And, and Cody, my, my prop talk buddy uh, really likes that under there. Heath, uh, you have him projected a little bit higher than that, huh? Well, yeah. And that's what I said. Like if you're just looking at 17 game projections for everyone, you're going to be higher on most players because there's going to be enough injuries where these over-unders factor that in. But for a full 17 games, I do have Burks over 869. I think I have maybe my top four or five wide receivers over that. Um, over definitely, my top, definitely my okay. top three because like I have Burks. I think I had Burks at second amongst this class as recently as uh, four or five days ago. Chris Olave actually just, I moved ahead of him with okay. the, I, man, how can Michael Thomas still have hurdles to overcome? <laughs> He's played six games in the last two years. Very well. I, I think part of that is, is we saw that he had the struggles, you know, with, with the ownership. Hey, is he seeking a trade? Is he just sitting out? He gets the surgery in the mm -hmm. middle of the season when he should have gotten it earlier. Right. Like, there's, there's a part of me that, that knows it's, it's hey, there's I, I can't be the, the doctor from the sideline guessing how they're thinking, you know, mentally. But he's shown that he doesn't want to be there previously. And we have new coaching uh, regime, not really regime, right? They're, they're internal, but right. a, a new leader at the helm. And I think that's going to be a big change. And then even further, they're almost at this. And while Lito's in the chat, he's, he's a big Saints guy. So maybe he can push back on this. But I feel like they're right on the cusp of a rebuild. I don't know if yep. you guys feel like that, but a lot of their players are older 
and, and they're at that point where they feel like they could either jumpstart a rebuild or they can try for one more year, get get knocked out in the first round of the playoffs, and then they are forced to do the rebuild. Do you feel the same way? They are that team in your dynasty league that no one actually thinks is a contender except <laughs> except for them. They are in rebuild denial, and they're going to try to push it out one more year and see if they can make their rookie pick worse next year. Um, no, I, I 100% agree with that. But I, I would also say, like, we were talking about who has the best quarterback amongst these rookies. I think it's probably Chris Olave. And I mean, it's Sky Moore, but assuming you don't and, count Sky yeah, Moore in that Christian class Watson. amongst the first yeah. round rookies, it's Chris Olave. Um, yeah. But if there's no Michael Thomas, he would be my number one rookie wide receiver because I've only got him one point behind Garrett Wilson right now. And maybe that's – and, again, we're, we're kind of flirting between the projections for 2022 and how we view these guys as dynasty. For me, as a guy that, that was higher on Chris Olave than most of consensus, um, I almost feel like I'm not worried about that situation. I don't see Michael Thomas as long for the team, whether that's a right. trade at midseason or or end of the season when they can move off his, his salary a little bit easier. I feel like Chris Olave is, is just poised to – if Winston isn't ready for the start of the season, which it sounds like he's going to be ready in about July, so we'll see about that progression. But they have Andy Dalton as the backup. That's a little kind of nugget that a lot of people forget. Andy Dalton's the backup, so I'm not concerned there. Um, so from a, a redraft perspective, I love that that you have him there. And then from a dynasty perspective, I know some people are kind of worried about his ceiling, but pro-ready, going to come in, um, one of the best route runners in this class. If you hit year one, I think that just – vaults your dynasty value yep. to where you can feel however you want about him. But if he hits like Amon Ross St. Brown did year one, I don't care about these other narratives. You can move off him. And I did in a league because I didn't believe, you know, long-term you can move off him just based on the dynasty value that hits year one. Yeah. What about, so, so, so Chris Olave, just, just to, as we track here, um, you have you moved him up to two in in the rankings, did you say above in the Ertz? in the 2022 projections? I have projections. him at now. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So we've got um, Wilson one. Yes. And then Alave, then Burks, and then I had Watson in the rankings. Um, is that where he kind of falls in next, or do you have London? Uh, London in the redraft, and London's actually number one for me in my dynasty um, rankings. So I I think. It's tough because it's easy to look at that situation and think, well, he has the most opportunity. There's no other wide receivers there. But yeah. Kyle Pitts is still there, and Arthur Smith and Marcus Mariota are there, and that makes me think we're not going to have a 600-pass offense, um, even right. if they make the switch at some point. I just think they even last year, as, as much as they trailed situationally, they were pretty run-heavy. And I would imagine they'll trend that way again, and I think Pitts is still the number one wide receiver on that team. But long-term assuming that London gets a quarterback upgrade and one of the better quarterbacks next year, I think he could absolutely be a top 12 dynasty wide receiver relatively soon. Yeah. I like kind of hitting those two guys together because they're kind of in similar situations in terms of the, the, the quote unquote vacated targets. I know there's a whole right. battle of, are they real? Are they not real? I'm on the side that they're definitely real. You have to be talented to earn them for sure. But there's a reason I'm on raw St. Brown you don't have to bring him up twice in, in a short span, but there's a reason he had this end of the year when Hawkinson and Swift go down, the two top pass catchers. So I view that the same here for Watson, right? There's 241 targets gone between Adams, MBS, ESB. That's basically 60% of the targets are going to wide receivers in that type of offense. We have historical data on Rodgers. We know he's going to throw to them. 
So I think there's a lot of opportunity there for Watson. And then London, different quarterback situation. But again, you're talking about no Ridley, no Gage. That's 146 open targets there. And then if you include Mike Davis, who oddly had 58 targets, I really didn't remember that, you know, coming to the end of the 2021 season. But that's 204 vacated targets. And what is Patterson going to do? Is he going to move more towards wide receiver? And maybe we can talk about that when we get to their rookie running back. But I just think there's a lot of opportunity for these two guys and London, obviously with the, the, being the first one off the board, he's the one that's most exciting for me from a redraft standpoint. And then he was my number two in a tier with Burks as the one, two for me. And so he's going to be um, right up there in terms of rookies that I'm targeting. Yeah. I'm the only thing I'm concerned with was Watson. I mean, there's two things. It's the lower competition level. I think that always gives you a little bit less certainty about a player's actual ability coming into the NFL and then it's just the does Aaron Rodgers trust you? We know that he has trust issues in a variety of different senses. And so, <laughs> especially like Amari Rogers was a, a pretty decent prospect coming in last year and could yes. not get on the football field. Yep. Um, so I, I do worry a little bit for this year that it's Alan Lazard. That, I mean, how gross is that? The idea that like it might just be. Christian Watson is MVS and Alan Lazard's going to be the leading target getter. I actually think it might be the Aaron Jones is going to be the leading target getter. Oh, interesting. Interesting. No love for, uh, yeah, there it is. I, I knew eventually. Sammy what? Yeah. Um, <laughs> week one, right? At do least you week remember? One. Yeah. Do you always, remember always bet Sammy Watkins over always. for week one. Can't wait to see the Packers week one schedule. I'm sure they've set him up for like a revenge game or something. But do you remember the article? Um, the interview he did after the Super Bowl. I do not. The Lizard King one? Yes. I do not. Yes. You need to go back and just get a quick refresher on that. <laughs> and then imagine the locker yes. room conversations that are going to happen between Sammy Watkins and Aaron Rodgers. And <sighs> it's um, it's going to be fantastic. Okay. I'm I just, marking the I just, I, it's too bad that Hard Knocks is not there, but they could start a podcast and I would yeah. pay – Lots of money for it. The Lizard King, man. Oh, Robbie. <laughs> I, I took a note. I don't even know. I'm diving in. Let's see what happens. I just, wow. I don't know where it's going, so I'm going to make sure I do it here at home and not at work. So, right, yeah. We'll, we'll, yeah, you know, it's, want, safe. Uh... it's safe. It's just, you know, you're probably going to jump in a volcano or something afterwards. It'll be fine. <laughs> just, you have aluminum foil at your house, right? Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Just just put some on top of your head before you read the article. Just so yeah. nobody can read your thoughts. There. Right. Good. Good call. Okay. So so <laughs> with the with, with all the pass catchers there, do you see Alan Lazard? Is he kind of the one you're projecting to to lead the room, as, as we say? Because we're gonna want somebody from this offense. Is it is it more of the I want to take whoever goes latest kind of situation? Or are you saying there's gonna be enough of a difference between Lazard? Cobb, Watson, Watkins, throwing Romeo dubs that you want Lazard? If I thought Lazard and Burks were going, or Lazard and Watson were going to go at a similar time, I would choose Watson just because of the upside. My expectation is Watson's going to go in like round eight and Lazard's going to be there in the double digit rounds. And I would much rather draft Lazard. Yeah. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? 
Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Okay. I agree. Let's let's hit on some more of these second-round guys. Actually, one, one we have two first-round guys we haven't talked about with, with Jahan Dotson, Jameson Williams. And I want to put George Pickens in this conversation because – Again, I feel like there's similarities with especially Pickens and Jamison Williams. We're talking about questionable quarterback situations for the Pittsburgh. It's who's starting for the Lions. It's can he support all of these pass catchers. And then Jahan Dotson, if you look at uh, Carson Wentz's wide receiver two history, I mean, it's wide receiver 87, 76, 66, 73. He had a, t- a wide receiver 22 year with Al- Aguilar um, one year, but uh, it doesn't support a second wide receiver like ever. So there's a little bit of concern for Jahan Dotson. How, how are you – where are we at here in the pecking order? Well, I, I mean, that's going to be the question. I think if I was a Jahan Dotson um, backer, I would say it sounds like bad news for Terry McLaurin because <laughs> Dotson's got a better prospect profile than McLaurin did coming in for sure. Not wrong. Um, and there's been plenty of talk about McLaurin – and whether he's one of these guys with one year left in their contract that's not going to play for their team anymore. Um, I think this year it's probably a tough path for Dotson unless something happens to McLaurin. Um, he's a, you draft him in the double digit rounds. He's a wide receiver four or five type. And if we're wrong and Dotson just beats him out as a rookie, or if something happens to McLaurin and Dotson becomes the number one, then that pays off in dynasty. I think, like I've still got Dotson very close, if not ahead of Watson and Sky Moore. I think the draft capital may win out, and I think Dotson may be the Washington Commanders' number one wide receiver as early as next year. Sure, sure. Commanders, I still. You said Commanders. I was like, who? I prefer football team. Yeah, me too. Yeah, that was I think it's the crazy. best name they've had probably in franchise history. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. Talk about setting up a study group. It's like, all right, all right we're gonna we're gonna do this for for two years, and we're gonna come up with the commanders. Right. I so, don't like they're different players, obviously, but I kind of view Williams and Pickens kind of similarly. Um, I mean, Williams ahead of Pickens for sure, but I don't really want either of them this year. And I think they might both have the upside to be the best wide receiver in this class long-term. 
Yeah, for sure. I think a lot of people, I, I might not be on that train as much as others, but a lot of people are saying, hey, Jameson Williams needs to be talked about a lot more than he is. And I definitely think there's room for that conversation it, it, when we talk about dynasty and, hey, we're not looking at, at the, the situation right. right now, right? Like the if he's good, he's going to score. And he is, is one of the best burners. He is electric. He has, when we talk about, I hate using the word upside. And I think I've heard you say this exact same thing because it can be construed in so many different ways, but the way I use it is you're, you're very efficient with, you don't need volume. You can be efficient and you have good touchdown upside. And I think that's something that he showed uh, in, in one year at Alabama, which can also be your knock, right? Coming from Ohio state, couldn't beat out Olave and Garrett Wilson, but, when he got on the field with a good offense, he showed that he can be efficient with his targets and he can score touchdowns. And so there probably is a conversation, and that's why he's in my tier two of guys, is that I don't like his landing spot, but I'm trying not to let that sway me as I have in the past. Yeah, and I, and I think Pickens, I've said this and it's gotten me in trouble, but I've, I've never really bought into the whole Deontay Johnson thing, which has been to my disadvantage <gasps> the past two years. But I think Pickens has the most upside in that receiving core. Uh, How dare now, you talk about Deion's Bay like that? I know <laughs> it's it's so it's so rare to find a guy who can turn a target into seven yards every time you give him one. <laughs> um, Juju or Deontay? <laughs> who is this? Uh, yes, I think Pickens has the most upside in that receiving core. I also think that if he doesn't find some way to put twenty pounds on, I'm not sure he can play in the NFL because he's not strong enough right now. That's that's the tough part for me. Like Pickens plays like he's Mike Williams size, yeah, or or, or Mike Evans size, but he's not quite that, right? He's he's six two six three one ninety five, and so the way he wins versus the way he'll have to play against NFL corners, yeah. I've seen him be an alpha, and I think he has that talent, but he's going up against bigger corners, and and so I'm just I, I go back and forth on him a lot. That's why he won't be the top six i probably won't get any pickings in my rookie drafts um, no no I, I i'd rather get him at the start of round two really um but you don't find him there very often no no yeah when he when he was dominant he was out there playing bully ball and that's not gonna happen yeah yet any any other well no one other we need to talk about before uh, we get to yeah. the, any other we need to get to the, the one where you're probably the outlier right and i think you've acknowledged this is that Sky Moore is not in the top 60 of your redraft rankings, I think. I saw he was absent when doing the control F. Where does he got him? Where does he got him? This is a this is a KC guy. That's what I kind of like. Hey, there's no bias for sure. Talk <laughs> to us about is he just the odd man out when you look at Juju Hardman MBS, he's odd man out for year one at least. I I I don't know that he's the odd man out for the entire year one, but I do think like when I looked at him before the draft i i loved his upside and i in this prospect profile i wrote that the chiefs were the best landing spot for him but not because i thought he could land there and in year one be a, a dominant target earner he's played wide receiver for three years in his whole life i just don't think he's probably quite ready to contribute on a regular basis he could be really helpful for the chiefs he might have a month-long stretch where they find a way to scheme him up and he's really good but I don't think he's going to be someone who helps you in fantasy this year, at least not from week one. Okay. Talk about now, it. And I do think like long-term his upside because he has Mahomes, because of that situation and because of his talent, 
I thought he had a ton of upside coming in. I think long-term he could be awesome. I'm not shying away from him in the first round of rookie drafts, but I, I don't think he's going to be a year one contributor. Yeah, and that's the balance, right? We're, we're doing a projections talk, and we're also looking at it from mm-hmm. a dynasty perspective. Probably could have framed that a little bit better when I was putting together the show, but I, I think it's probably two good lenses to view it in because a lot of this dynasty value is based off of year one. You know, you don't have to be a fantastic prospect to shell out in year one. You just have to have the opportunity and take advantage of it. So if there's a guy we're look, you're looking at, let's just talk redrafting your projections. Who's a guy that, that you think you're higher on than where he's been going as you've looked at, at either redraft rankings or, or versus Dave and, and Jamie, some of these other guys? Who's someone that you will maybe get in redraft for a rookie wide receiver? I think the two, well, for redraft, one for redraft, one for dynasty. I think the yeah. one in redraft is probably Chris Olave because I do have him so close to Garrett Wilson. And most of the rookie wide receivers seem to be going right around that round seven, round eight range where I have both Wilson and Olave. The thing is that those two guys are going like third and fourth amongst the rookies. <laughs> and so those aren't the guys going in round seven or round eight. So I'm taking a wide, my wide receiver one in the same round, just, just a different guy. And then for, for dynasty, it's Dotson. Um, I'm still fine with him as early as 108 in rookie drafts. And I still think he has a, a relatively rosy future. Cody Kutzer approved. He, he's a Penn State guy, so he's going <laughs> to love hearing that. To wrap up the, the wide receivers so we can get on the running backs, anybody else that you're interested in or, or that you want to point out from a projections, hey, this guy came in good on projections because of opportunity, targets, et cetera. No, I don't think we've left anybody out in terms of the guys who projected inside my top 60. I do think um, both Tolbert and Mechie are, are interesting later round guys, round 13, round 14, round 15, just because, I mean, we don't know that Michael Gallup's going to be ready early in the year, and this Dallas offense figures to be a prolific one. And there's a, a, a big opportunity opposite Brandon Cooks in Houston. Yep, yep. Absolutely. Tom, anything else on wide receivers? No, let's do some running backs, baby. All right. And, and this one, maybe not as long, right? Because it kind of tails off, especially if we're doing projections year one here. Does it, does it tail off or is it just. <laughs> Kate, a chasm, just like, yeah. see ya. Yeah. It's the lizard King jumping into a volcano again. <laughs> I got to look that up. He did get... jump into a volcano, didn't he? I got to get on the inside of that. <laughs> All right, so let's start off with Brees Hall, obviously the name that everybody is taking if we're talking. I don't think it matters when, when everyone says, oh, you're talking super flex or single QB. I think a lot of people are taking him 101 regardless. Um, you've been a guy that's yeah. really high on him. I think, you, Tom, you pointed out that he said in startups, you read one of Heath's articles, he would take him, what was, what was yeah. it? In early in, that, in the startup? In your rookie draft article, you, you said that he was uh, a first-round pick in a startup. So... That's yeah. that's some heavy confidence in a in a rookie running back not named, you know, Jonathan Taylor coming in or, or something like that. It's, so it's funny you would mention Jonathan Taylor because I, <laughs> I did it. Listen, there's the lob. All right. Yes. Um, like I, he's not. I don't. I'm not saying he's Jonathan Taylor, but yeah. testing wise, production wise, if you're looking for a Jonathan Taylor comp over the last couple of years, he's the best one. Um, and it's a really weird time at running back. We've got seven or eight guys who have been consensus top 10 running backs for the last two seasons 
who are 26, 27, 28 years old. And we have a bunch of younger guys who we don't really know if they're going to be full-time feature backs. And I would include Javante Williams, DeAndre Swift, both in that category. Like they're in everyone's top five at running back, yeah. but they might be 52% snap share guys for the rest of their life for all we know. And then Najee Harris is the opposite. He got all the volume in year one and showed no justification for it. Um, he was fine. There was nothing wrong with him, but he didn't do anything exciting. So, and he's three years older than Brees Hall. So right. I, I didn't really expect this when I was writing about Hall before the draft. I think I'd said that he will definitely be a top 12 rookie running back, maybe somewhere in the six to seven range. But what I'd written was, if he's good for the first month of the season, Jonathan Taylor will be the only running back who ranks ahead of him. And then I went through my process once he got drafted by the Jets and all the other things that happened with everybody else. And he was number two at running back immediately. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm okay with that. If, if you have a team that's trying to win the championship this year, then you should prefer Najee Harris. You should prefer Christian McCaffrey. You should prefer a handful of guys over Brees Hall. But weighing the future equally to now, I think Brees Hall is the second most valuable running back to me behind Jonathan Taylor. So it's it's funny that we talk about that because I don't know how long that's going to last because we have Bijan coming in in 2023, mm-hmm. um, Travion. It, it's going to be... <laughs> I mean, it's, le- it's legitimately, yeah. a year from now, you might not see Christian McCaffrey, Derek Henry, yeah. Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook... Saquon Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott, none of those guys in the top 24. Right. They're all gone. Right. Could be. And then we have all these running backs coming in in 23 and then, Mm -hmm. you know, more 24. Um, So it's funny. It's like this year's running back class is the calm before the storm. Uh, Next year, we're going to have running backs go in the first round in the NFL draft. If you have been looking at mock drafts, we were talking about the Eagles earlier. I'm seeing a ton of Bijan to the Eagles there. And if Hertz is there, that that skyrockets his value because of the running game. But, uh, yeah, just to keep in mind that 2023 class there. But, yeah, I, I like Brees this year. I, I love the, the point that Rich Rebar made. I think I was on the podcast today, Heath, that we haven't seen a class that was as good as – I think it's the 17 class. Zeke was 16 that 17 class had five guys, McCaffrey, Fournette, mm-hmm. uh, Mixon, et cetera. We know the names, right? And Kamara. Yeah, we haven't seen a class like that. And so now that they're all at that age, we think, oh, you know, 26, we need to drop them off. And I think for Dynasty, it makes sense, right? When we've got right. good talent coming in that's five years younger, especially that position, it makes sense. But in terms of if you have a talented team, Rich's point was, let's not move off these guys thinking that they're going to be bad when they're 27, 28, because people who have played dynasty for more than, you know, the past four or five years, we've seen running backs that that talent level that a lot of those guys I would argue are at be productive in the year 28, 29, sometimes 30. Uh, and you see that drop off maybe a little bit later than your normal um, drop off. And, and, and there's probably a lot of analytics that argue against that um, because most running backs aren't that good. The problem is, like, I think Rich is right for one or two of those guys. 
And like, you probably don't get to just roster all of them on your team and then profit on the one or two that he's right about. You've got to guess which one or two that's going to be. And I like none of them have given you any reason to be confident that it's them. Yeah. But yeah, well, I, I think he's probably right. I think a couple of them are probably going to perform to 28 or 29 and we'll look dumb for where we ranked them three years. I, I, I think we got to look at the skill sets. Like Kamara is going to be valuable because he's going to catch the ball. CMC, if he stays on the ball or stays on the field, uh, catch the ball. So right. I think those running backs are a little bit safer than, you know, Mixon can catch the ball. They just don't use I, him enough in that. I role. think that type, that line of thinking is right. But if Christian McCaffrey gets hurt again this year, no one's going to listen to it because he's the exact profile that's not taking the hits from the big guys in the middle and supposed to be okay. And if he gets hurt three years in a row, then nobody's going to believe that. It doesn't even matter if he's the type of guy that can take the hits in the middle field. I haven't seen more Saquon Barkley hate in my life (laughs) than I have this year. It's like, everyone's like, okay, it was the one year. Then it was like, okay, a year and a half. And now they're just, Nope, this Robbie, was an injury, we've, but we've been doing this for like two years now, and I feel like I've given you enough Saquon hate that he's not going to stay on the field. That you you've been prepared for this. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't do this for you. More, Tom. More. <laughs> more. Uh, yeah, I I need to be the one. That's the one thing. If if I have a dynasty, get better at. And Christian, if he's listening out there, he's always talking about it. Just pivot, pivot to that younger back, pivot the three years, you know, Swift will hold the value, whether he's going to be that workhorse back or not, he'll hold the value until year 25, 26. And then you pivot back again. And that's always a a thing that I struggle with. Cause I'm like, no, no, no. Mixon's been good. He's produced for me this year. Like I I don't see it slowing down. And then it hits. Well, and the worst part is, cause I've done this. I did this last year with a team that had, been in the championship the year before but it was just time and i'm doing it this year with a team that was in a championship two years ago like when you do the tear down you're going to make trades that feel awful and like we'll just get roasted on twitter if you put them on twitter no one likes rebuilding trades on twitter um but you just have to you just have to like you gotta do it yeah yeah no I, i did uh I moved Mixon last year and I got Javante and a Devi pick, which I turned into Tank Bigsby. So, yeah, I feel pretty good about that. Yeah, and, and that's the thing because he, I think he made the point that Javante and Swift are they ever going to be those guys? And one, I think the NFL doesn't want them to be those guys, so that's going to be part of it, and you'll see that a lot. And maybe if Najee had a competent backup, we wouldn't see that with him either, which is. Maybe I, yeah, I just ever... think there are certain teams that, like, very few, and maybe there won't be much longer, but there are a couple of teams left that want that. Right. Um, not, not many, but, yeah, there, there's a couple yeah. that value that. And if they still show enough, even with that limited non-Bell Cow workload, right. and they still have that young age, people aren't going to go away from Javante. Even if he gets, you know, he bumps up his numbers a little bit from last year, they're still going to be like, okay, this is the year that <laughs> – Dolphins gone, and then yep. it'll be, this is—it's kind of like uh, the last year was like this is the Javante Williams. It's, it was always Javante week. Yeah. Well, is is this when you trade him? Then is his value ever going to be higher? Wow. Well, can I get like <laughs> what? What can I have for him? Yeah. Uh, let's talk. 
Like I don't know. Are you, are, so are you getting, are you trading Javante for the one? What would you rather have Javante or the one one I would take Brees over Javante. Okay. Do you think, and that's, I think uh, most people perception? would trade him for Brees. So yes, right. I, I think that's not consensus. Um, that's interesting for me. One one which is we're I'm going to say is, is Brees. Brees. Yeah, you're welcome. I, I think I like Brees. I mean, I think we've just, Brees has been this guy for so long that people just got tired of that narrative and then he went out and did amazing at the combine, and we're finding ways to tear down his amazing prospect profile. Like, I don't know. I, yeah. I agree that he's he's kind of put it together completely. So that's but, but then we go to the 102, right? This class, there's that drop off. That's probably where you're looking at the 2023 yeah. class. Yep. Well, so so what if you take one of those older running backs like Mixon or Kamara and you throw in a 2023 first? I'd rather have that than Javante, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say most 2023 projected early to mid, especially in Superflex because of how many quarterbacks we're, we're thinking at this time um, can be franchise-changing, dynasty roster-changing. It, it's hard to turn that down in a Superflex league, the, the idea of getting a franchise-changing quarterback for sure. Mm-hmm. Of course, that's what we thought in 2021, and here we are just hoping and praying. <laughs> okay, um, that, that's a great conversation. Brees Hall from projection wise and redraft wise, where, where do you kind of have him again? Just one more time, putting a bow on that. Yeah. Um, like I'm not as, as uh, bullish on him in redraft. He's I think running back 16. I, he, I kind of, which I, I said it in the article, it's not to keep bringing up Jonathan Taylor, but I think it's a similar situation. I project where I think they're going to finish for a full season. I wouldn't be surprised if he's a top seven running back in the second half of the season. And that's right. more valuable than a guy who's RB 16 all year long. So I wouldn't, I'd be okay if you draft him a little earlier when where he's projected for sure. Yep. Yeah. And I think with, with Brees, the tougher thing to project, I think he's going to get the rushing yards. Vegas has him at eight thirty. I think he can, I, he can top that pretty easily. Um, it's the receiving that we don't know how to break that up yet with him and Michael Carter, because they're still going to use Michael Carter. Uh, it just depends on how much and the situation is Brees Hall going to get the opportunity to catch 50 plus balls. That, and we didn't see Zach Wilson as Mr. Checkdown, right? Like I'm curious, he no. projections for receiving totals for either Brees Hall or Michael Carter I don't know how much you took that into account because for me, I haven't, I haven't gotten that deep into it yet, but I don't know how much I'll project that target share to go to running backs. No, not this year. Um, he got a little better at it when he came back from the injury than he was early in the year. Got better a um, lot, a lot of things, right? Right. And I, I would expect like, I think last year, Josh Allen threw 96 times to his running back. That was a career high. Um, I would expect that each and every year Wilson's going to get a little bit like that's a skill we see quarterbacks develop over time is learning not to get hit and just get rid of the ball to your running back. Um, so I think that'll go up over time this year. I'm pretty low on whole receptions, but I kind of think it's a situation where early in the year, it's likely Carter playing on passing downs. I wouldn't be surprised if halfway through the year, they're like, why are we throwing the ball to Michael Carter when we have Brees Hall? <laughs> it, it happens every year, right? I mean, we saw it with uh, Jordan Wilkins. Is we we can't have Jonathan yeah. Taylor beat out Jordan Wilkins. We can't have DeAndre Swift beat out AP and whoever else they had. Like it happens every year where you're like, 
you drafted this rookie. Yeah, Akers and Daryl Henderson. Yeah. Uh, it's just time after time. So yeah. let's put a lot of these other running backs in one clump and, and talk about which ones you think from our projections for 2021 you see as having a good opportunity because I think that can really skyrocket their value. And if you like the player, keep him. If you don't, you can turn and flip for a better asset here in 2023. Kenneth Walker, Damian Pierce, James Cook, Rashad White, Tyler Algier. Let's just start kind of with that. Yeah, I think uh, projections-wise, I might have Damian Pierce the highest. Really? Which feels super gross, and I don't have Damian Pierce higher than Walker and Dynasty, but um, I just don't really believe that Marlon Mack or Rex Burkhead is going to stand in Pierce's way. Why? And I think <laughs> it's possible in Seattle, especially with Pete Carroll as head coach, that Rashad Penny or Chris Carson does that for a little longer with Walker. I think eventually Walker probably becomes a lead guy and maybe he's like a rookie year Cam Akers where it takes until the last five weeks of the season before he's very good, but then he's obviously better than everybody else. Cause I think he is, but I've got, um, I've got Pierce around RB 30 and then Walker and cook both around RB 36. Um, I, I think probably Buffalo's preference preference is that Devin Singletary will be the early down back, but if Allen continues on this trend towards throwing to his running backs more and cook is as special as he's looked, he might have one of those stupid, good pass catching rookie running back seasons and really surprise people be a top 20 running back. in PPR. Yeah, I can definitely see that happening. I think what's interesting with Damian Pierce is that, yeah, talk about an open runway with him and Tyler Algier except when we look from last year's rushing totals, and I get it, Damian Pierce could be better than, than all the names we just listed um, from the Texans roster, but their average, like 3.4 yards per carry, their yards before contact was lowest in the NFL. Like, I don't really care who's in that backfield. <laughs> the line can't, and I get, they went with a guard um, in the first round, so that should help, but I'm just, I don't know if that offense, A, produces any touchdowns on the ground, which they didn't last year. I mean, their leading rush was Burkhead with 400 and some yards. And he, they all averaged 3.4 to 3.2 yards per carry. So that's where I'm, opportunity maybe, but production. It's probably a good time to just admit that I have, for some reason, an expectation that both the Texans and the Lions are going to be better than everybody thinks they are. Dan Campbell stand. You got a Dan Campbell stand right there, Tom. Um, I mean, no, I'm okay. I'm okay with the Lions being better. Yeah, it's, it's Houston where it's, and that's where we talked about Pierce. It's game script. Are they going to be behind and have to throw the ball a lot? I don't think they're that awful, and I don't think that division's very good. Yeah, they're not that awful. <laughs> I don't think they are. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I mean, told they, you. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> When they when they when they end up like seven and ten, remember this. Mark it seven down. and ten. Oh, man, the what is I love it. We're going. I didn't know we're getting so, hot, in the hot take section. That wasn't even on the show sheet, but I'm in. I, I, I suppose I have to go over to uh, DraftKings and see what their over under is and put I'm gonna a bet in for I'm you. Gonna, I'm going to guess it's four and a half. Four and a half yeah, yeah, I was going to exactly. probably four and a half. Yeah. Uh, going back to Kenneth Walker, I'm not sure if Carson plays i I just the what pete carroll keeps saying and and as much as we trust pete carroll 
he just doesn't sound confident. And if anything, you should trust Pete Carroll when he doesn't sound confident because he'll tell you when he's overconfident. And he's just been cautious. I think he just came out today and said, there's been no change to the timetable. We're not sure when we're going to see him. We're not sure. And it's like, I don't know if that's a roadblock for Walker. And then it's Penny who, again, we've talked about, we're not going to project injury on anybody. But if you make the exception for Will Fuller and you make the exception <laughs> for, I forgot the other name, it's like Penny's right on that edge of making exceptions for, right? So yeah. that's maybe why I think Walker will be kind of that next favorite. And, and in redraft, he'll be the next one off the board, I'm sure. Tom, are um, we on the over and four and a half yet? Uh. It is four and a half, and the over is plus 125. The under wow. is minus 150. We are just giving away free money on the show tonight. Uh, I will say Detroit <laughs> is at free money. Detroit is at six and a half. I, I think they, they definitely have an opportunity. They got better on both sides. I like of the both those overs, but I would I would take the plus money on Houston over four and a half before I'd take Detroit at six and a half. Well, here's another one. The Jets are at five and a half. The over is at minus 145. Dolphins are looking a lot better. You got Patriots. Uh, that's just a lot of yeah tough in, in conference. Uh, one other running back I want to get to, Tyler Algier, because we talked about, um, I think you talked about, hey, they, they can be this running team still. They, they did run the ball a lot. Is that kind of going towards his projections? Have you changed him since they, they cut Mike Davis? Has he bumped up or is he just, hey, let's see what happens with him and Patterson? No, I had this pool of touches for running backs that like Mike Davis and Damian Williams were swimming in together. And um, I, I think that there is a chance for Alg- Algier to be much better in his rookie year than he is as a dynasty asset. And I think this is just one of those situations where we have to watch for if that shows itself to be true, then it is time to trade him in dynasty. Yeah. If, if you're able to get something for him more than what you paid for him in the middle of this season, then count that as profit and don't push it too far is my thought. Cause I don't, I, I don't, I think he might like, maybe he'll turn out to be a borderline number two, but I don't think he's going to be a long-term asset. Day three running backs, right? That's that's yeah. your that's your cutoff, and maybe round four. We've kind of seen them turn into the new kind of end of round three, but yeah, those those day three running backs are, are a dime a dozen. You just don't find a ton. Um, Look at Michael Carter. Last year, I was a huge advocate for you know take Michael Carter in your rookie drafts uh, towards you know end of the the first or early second. And then flip him in the middle of the season and try and get a, a first round pick this year or twenty twenty three or something like that. So, and then we we saw what happened with with Brees. So, day three running backs. Day three running backs. That's how we end this glorious show. Day three running backs. Uh, he, thank you for jumping on with us, man. It was, it was really good. We we not only kind of hit projections, but dynasty talk and, and kind of strategy a little bit there in the middle of it. Is there anything that, that you're working on uh, that you want to promote? I know we've got Scott Fishel coming up. I know you're really big in, into doing the toys for Todd. You, you do the shopping uh, for that a lot. Uh, anything that you just want to toss out there for the folks? Yeah, take keep an eye out for the Fantasy Cares Eliminators. I believe John Bosch is firing those up this week or next yeah, week. Great. Uh, the best, I think, way to help raise money for the Fantasy Cares mission it's been one of the best things I've got to do through my job in this industry is to do the shopping trips for Toys for Tots. 
And a lot of the money that comes from that comes either through Fantasy Cares Eliminators or the uh, Podathons. So if you can find a way to participate in those, you'll be a you'll feel better because of it. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's toysfortots.org, or you can go to scottfishbowl.com. They've got a lot of good links there on the website. Uh, and then if anybody needs to figure out how to get in these John Bosch Eliminators. I'm lucky enough to have taken over some John Bosch leagues. He keeps on dumping them so we can focus more yes. and more on these. Yeah. So I've, I've got a lot of his mm-hmm. dynasty bankroll leagues. We can get you in touch and do that. So reach out to, uh, I'm at NFL Robbie. Tom's at, at dynasty infidel. And then he, thank you so much for jumping on with us. You're at Heath Cummings senior. So that's Cummings plural with another SR at the end on Twitter we got to brush off the, the, the Insta game. we got to get a new tweet up there, see if we can get one in this this year, 2022. Maybe a, a, an IPA, toss that one up there. I'll, t- I'll yeah. tell you a funny story um, as we as we close out about the Instagram. My son um, might have more followers on Instagram than I do, but he uh, just puts his basketball highlights on Instagram. And he had this clothing company that recently reached out to him and asked him to be an ambassador and um i was kind of laughing about it and they he said uh yeah they, i just have to buy two things from them and then i get a code and i can sell them to other people i was like well i think that's the way instagram works so congratulations yes yeah. there you, you go are, you are a promoter you are an influencer <laughs> love it tom anything else no thanks for coming on man i, I know robbie is he's uh he's slightly obsessed with you it's always he 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 <laughs> he you loves you. Um, I'm just glad you're not like in the same state as, as him anymore. I know you you moved away from Kansas, right? Uh, well, that is man, that- this is this is a tough. Like Tom, you're 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 kind of like rubbing some salt in an old wound. Oh, oh, uh, I didn't know. Rip the bandaid off first. But I tell <laughs> people I'm from the Kansas City area, yeah. and so like everyone even people who've known me for the seven years that i've lived here like you're from kansas right no the kansas city that you all know is not in kansas yeah it's in missouri yeah there is a kansas city in kansas there's a racetrack there and other other things yeah um but the baseball team the football team they're both in missouri my home was in missouri now me taking offense at this is tongue in cheek because I was a Kansas Jayhawks fan my whole life. Um, well, that's, I lived much closer to Lawrence than I did to Columbia. But that no, was I'm, the confusion I, on my part. I, yeah. I really apologize. People ask me if I'm from Missouri or Missouri, and that says, well, it depends on whether you live down in Springfield or not. <laughs> oh, there's, so there's in the a southern uh, part of the state. It's Missouri. Missouri. The, we always get a. Uh, it's a divorce lawyer ad on uh, one of the sports networks. And he goes, we have lawyers everywhere except Missouri and Ohio. <laughs> you you got to have different uh, lawyers. If you've watched Ozark, that's why you need different lawyers in Missouri. It's a thing. Okay. <laughs> well, cool. We're, we're, we're pumped to have you uh, on. Uh, excited to kind of see where these projections go. Cause they're not done. You update all the time. You update in season, which is just bonkers. Um, so really appreciate uh, being able to kind of check those out uh, for, for Heath, for Tom, I'm Robbie Jeffries. And we'll catch you guys next time.
everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.